Hi, my name is Stefano Arnholt and you are listening to the Sega Lounge. Welcome to the Sega Lounge, where we celebrate our love for all things Sega, including the games, the music, and the community. I'm your host, KC. Join me as I talk to different guests and learn more about their projects and passion for Sega. Welcome back to the Sega Lounge. This is episode 199. Ah, one week away from our 200th episode celebration. Stick around until the end to find out what's going to happen next week. But first, if you're new around here, welcome to the Sega Lounge. Feel free to follow the podcast on your preferred app. Feel free to leave a positive review. And since sharing is caring, let your friends know about us and the good work we do every week. If this is your first time, there's plenty more content to check out. Our website, thesegalounge.com, has a nifty feature called Categories. If you're interested in a particular theme like Sonic the Hedgehog, Shenmue, or even music, browse that section of the website to find specific episodes of the show covering those topics. Anyway, thank you so much for joining me. We've got a really special guest this week. This week, I'm joined by co-founder and former chairman of legendary Brazilian company TechToy, Stefano Arnhold. Stefano was kind enough to agree to have a chat with me and explain what it was like to create TechToy and team up with Sega at a time when the gaming landscape was completely different in Brazil. We covered the challenges, the successes, and even how he got Formula One pilot Ayrton Senna to collab with Sega. Stefano is a true industry legend, and I'm delighted to share our conversation with all of you. Hello, Stefano. Welcome to the Sega Lounge. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Pleasure to have you. A privilege. Uh, as, as we were saying before we started recording, uh, you are a legend, a video game legend. So it's, it's really a pleasure to have this chance to talk to you a little bit about, especially the the history of video games in Brazil, right? Which is, I am not sure if, it's it's talked about a little bit, but I think more people from, you know, like English speaking countries need to know about how, uh, you know, you and other people helped uh, the video game industry become something that is completely different. Uh, but before we get into that, Stefano, I usually like to get to know my guests a little bit more. And so would you like to tell us a little bit of how, uh, how your path in life and, you know, your in business led you to TechToy, which is what you are probably still more famous for? Well, uh, I remember that, uh, in 1982, I visited Nintendo in Kyoto, and they had not even launched the the Nintendo Entertainment System yet, right? But I was quite interested in their game and watch, 
right? And um, I wanted to uh, get the rights uh, to produce them in Brazil, right? And in Brazil at that time, you 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 are not allowed to f to import finished products like electronics, so it had to be manufactured in the free zone of Manaus. And I was working with my uncle in the photographic branch. I was visiting Minolta, which we represented in Brazil, which was in Kyoto, right? And we had an excellent meeting and a possibility to develop this uh, industrial project with, uh, with them. But my uncle was not really fond of uh, starting, let's say, a factory in the north of Brazil, right? And then I left uh, the, the company and went to work with Sharp okay. in the beginning of 83, when there was the discussion about the representation of uh, Atari in Brazil. Atari was uh, bought uh, by Warner, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so Sharp uh, ne uh, negotiated with them, but the winner was Gradienti with Polyvox. They got the rights to manufacture in Brazil, and we at Sharp got the rights from Intellivision to <clears throat> from Mattel Electronics to manufacture Intellivision in Brazil, right? Okay. So, uh, and then uh, in '87 uh, we left uh, Sharp and uh, founded uh, Tectoy uh, when we started the introduction of 8-bit uh, with SEG in Brazil. So that's how yeah. I entered in the video game area. Excellent. Okay, that's interesting. What led you to visit Nintendo in Kyoto? Did you already know that they were doing something special over there? Were you already familiar with the world of video games, maybe from a business point of view or something? Yeah, well, uh, at that time, which we were really seeking to get the rights for the game and watch the LCD. Yeah. Game, so this was our main focus at that moment, right? Okay. And um, and we concentrated, let's say, our talks on that product, right? Uh, and uh, I did not even know at that time when I visited them that they were developing the the, the NES, right? Yeah. This, uh, I was really focused in the game and watch okay. when I visited them. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because at the time there wasn't. They were more like a, a toy company, not a specifically car. car exactly. A, a card company. Not first of really all. Car. First of all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the essence of a, a quite a traditional company in traditional Kyoto. It was quite interesting to discuss. Let's say uh, technology. <laughs> it, it was really interesting. It was uh, it, it was a pity that. Um, uh, my uncle did not really like the idea. <laughs> but were they were they open to it though? They they were not really fond of the the of the supplying in CKD form, right? They 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 really they to be uh, straightforward. They hated the idea. They didn't like it at all. <laughs> but uh, they uh, <clears throat> there was a. a a possibility of a trading company to acquire the product from them, dismantle it, and send in parts and pieces to us for, okay. for us to rebuild it in Brazil. So if we, in one moment they were not really fond of the idea, on the second day 
brought this, uh, uh, how you say, trading company. It was their idea, not ours, uh, uh, to, 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 let's say, to find a solution. And yes. In fact, they were very open to the idea as long as they did not have to supply us in CKD form. Okay, okay. And so I think this is a very important uh, bit of information for people, you know, watching or listening to us and uh, not familiar with the market in Brazil at the time. So you mentioned briefly, uh, and, and I don't, don't have all the information because, you know, I'm from Portugal, but from what I know, um, so importing a product had high costs, right? So Very if high. you wanted to like buy a, a console or any kind of electronics from another country that was manufactured in another country, uh, you would have to increase the price of that product by a whole lot, right? So that's why you mentioned the, the need to assemble or build the, the products in Brazil. Yes. More than that, if, if, if you come a little bit uh, in, in the end of the 70s, beginning of mm -hmm. the 80s, there was a, a list called List C, A, B, C, right? And the products which were on that, that list were not permitted to import at all, okay. right? Okay, so, uh, uh, so the Game & Watch, let's say, would fall in this, uh, uh, how you say, category. Right, mm -hmm. others uh, were permitted to import, but you, you had on one side a huge taxes, on the other side, Brazil had a shortage of foreign currency. So to hinder the the imports, you were obliged to make a deposit of hundred percent of the FOB value for one year. You could not touch this, and you received it back only after one year with no interest at all. Right. Okay. So there were many mechanisms in place to, uh, let's say, disincentive the import or even prohibit. A little bit later, you will have other laws which would make the imported product very expensive due to the all the taxes. Right. Mm -hmm. Only one tax on video games is fifty percent. Right. It's not even the import tax. Right? Oh my god. Yeah, uh, and. Then for you to produce it in the free zone of Manaus, in the industrial area of Manaus, you had uh, many different laws that you would have to respect, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, this is very important because one of the success behind the video games in Brazil was the necessity of this industrial involvement. So... Our involvement with SEGA was not just a simple distribution agreement. It was a technology transfer. It was There was uh, many things behind, right? Mm -hmm. And also, we imported the, the components five, six months before production, right? So when, when they would launch, let's say, a new software, Right, and we would import the ROMs. We needed to start everything four, five, six months before, yes. which gave us an amount of information uh, which other distributors did not have because there was no necessity. So, uh, when we look to it, it was a disadvantage in one side. On the other side, it the the relationship that we had with Sega and Gradienti had afterwards with uh, Nintendo 
through Playtronic were very special relationships, right? And this is one of the reasons why Brazil developed so much uh, during the 8-bit time, 16-bit, 32-bit times because mm -hmm. of the special relationships. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Very interesting. Thank you for sharing. And I, I'm sure that also led to... It was a special kind of uh, industry, the video game industry, in in that uh, in the sense that you also probably employed a lot of people, right? You were not just distributing the the games that you bought from other countries, but you were you know manufacturing the the the, the systems, the cartridges themselves, assembling them. So probably a boost to the economy as well, right? Right, you're correct, and the rules of the free zone of the Manaus, at that time, uh, they have what we call the production, productive production process. And this process would start with the naked board. Okay. So it need to be a naked printed circuit board, zero components on top. This was the start. So it, it was not, let's say, an, an assembling. It was a full production okay. in Manaus, right? And this made a com completely different involvement. So uh, we knew what what we were building there. So then when, when Sega stops producing the master system, we continue producing it. And, and we, we even changed the product from the inside. Mm -hmm. By the way, master system is still being built today in Tectoy. Yes. Right? Yes. <laughs> it's one of the few products in the world in, in, in consumer electronics, which is being built nonstop, right, from 1989 until 2023, right? And one Amazing. of the reasons is because we knew very well what we were doing and had the knowledge, exactly. right, to do it. So uh, that's why when I say this was on one side a big burden. On the other side, the big opportunity. Exactly. That's very interesting. That's amazing. Thank you very much for sharing that that insight into the the industry. So, going back a little bit. So, you already told us you you had you quit uh, your uncle's company. You went to Sharp. Uh, why did you end up founding Tech Toy? What, what was the, the your goal by doing that? Uh, Mr. Daniel Dascal. Uh, was my boss at Sharp, and he was the vice president in charge of the uh, Sharp division. Uh, we belonged to another to a big group which had banking companies, uh, had uh, computer companies, had other companies, and inside this big group, one of the largest in Brazil, there was what we called the Sharp division, mm -hmm. and he was in charge of this division. And then in the beginning of 87, he decided to leave, right? But he didn't know exactly what he wanted to do. <clears throat> and then he started a company called ELSIS, which is short for <coughs> Electronic Systems and still exists today, by the way. Mm -hmm. And this company was specialized in helping uh, companies in electronics, right? Um, we are now in 87. And the first company, which was the client from Elsys, was Whirlpool, right? Okay. So Whirlpool was not necessarily specialized in the electronics for washing machines. And, and the first product that uh, this company developed 
<coughs> was um, an ASIC, a specific uh, chip for the uh, reversion uh, control of the, the motor for the washing machines, right? Okay. So, and uh, Mr. Dascal started to study different uh, sectors of the industry where the companies in Brazil or worldwide were not very developed in electronics. And when, and then he come, came to uh, toys in Brazil. And in Brazil, there was a company exists until today called Estrela, which had more or less 55% of the market, the clear leader, and uh, 50 years of age already. And they were not really fond of, uh, of electronic toys and video games. So Mr. Dascal said, well, instead of helping them if they don't want, why don't we do it ourselves? Right? <laughs> So he went to talk to the the owner of a, a big electronic company in Brazil at that time, <clears throat> uh, which was called Evadin, and they were uh, the agents for Mitsubishi, and they were during some time market leaders in Brazil in in color TV sets, Mitsubishi brand, mm -hmm. very famous for very good quality, right? And yeah. together with this company. Uh, we then founded uh, Tectoy. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. And so going back to, or going back, no, going a little bit forward, maybe to the relationship with, with Sega, uh, how did that happen? And, and how did you end up um, being able to, to, to get in touch with them and maybe even convincing them, I think, to, to collaborate with, with Tectoy? Yes, well, we were when when the idea of uh, creating a, a a company dedicated to electronic toys, of course, number one product in this segment were the the video game, the, mm -hmm. right? So we were already looking at Sega with uh, uh, special eyes. Okay. But the relationship started with uh, Zillion, the laser tag, right? And this is very important because. We started the relationship and we were, it was our first product that we launched, right? And it, we really dedicated a lot of uh, energy to this product and we sold much more in Brazil, the laser tags they then did as Sega did in Japan, right? Oh, that's amazing. Uh, there was an anime from Zillion, right? Yes. And we managed to bring it to prime time in Brazil. Uh, we really put a lot of effort. We spent a small fortune in advertising. We created a, a TV ad for introduction, which was really, really something, a breakthrough in communications for toys in Brazil. Instead of featuring, let's say, the toy with two, two kids playing, something like that, uh, uh, we had uh, pros in skating and, and uh, gymnastics making, I don't know, incredible performance with the laser tag. It was really something new. And uh, and this impressed uh, Sega very much, right? Okay. On the other hand, uh, I don't know if you remember, but Tonka was distributing 8 bits for uh, Sega in USA, right? Okay. And Tonka uh, was, I don't know, the fifth or sixth largest uh, 
the toy company in the US, and they acquired Parker Bros, which was, I don't know, number four, was even larger than them. So the digestion of the new acquisition was not so easy for the company, and the company, I don't, didn't see, I don't think, had uh, uh, the possibility to give to Sega Master System the attention it needed, right? Uh-huh. So Nintendo was a clear winner with the penetration around 33 million homes in US. When Tonka went to more or less with Sega to 1.8 million, so complete. Yeah. So yeah. against us was that they, in, in, in uh, Haneda, in Japan, they said, well, uh, toy companies should not distribute video games, right? <laughs> so big success on one side, uh, and but finally, and Gradienti was really trying to get uh, the, the, the rights from them. And, uh, but at the end, we, uh, I think they came to the conclusion that we would really dedicate ourselves only to specifically to, and then we got the rights to manufacture in Brazil. Okay. Excellent. So were you, uh, uh, an active part of that? I imagine. So did you, did you go to Sega? Did you get to Japan yeah. at the time? Yeah. Talk to them. Yes. Yeah, we went many times to Japan. They came many times here. They went to Manaus. Uh, uh, they thought, you know, the uh, factory in the Manaus is something in the middle of the jungle. When they visited our factory uh, and and Evadine's factory, they saw, wow, it's uh, it's much better than their suppliers in Hong Kong. At that time, it was not okay. mainland China; it was Hong Kong where yeah. you where they manufactured. And they said, look, uh, your TV, uh, Mitsubishi TV factory is 10 times better than where we manufacture our video games, right? So mm -hmm. they saw that we had the, the know-how, you know, that the quality was completely different standard of quality, right? And this, I think, played a, a big role uh, in which they said, okay, uh, and then... There was also something quite interesting. Few people know that, but uh, Samsung wanted to distribute the product there. And for Korea, for South Korea, there were some similar laws as for Brazil. They also had to manufacture. Okay. And, and they said, if we learn with TechToy how to supply in CKD form the components, right? Maybe Tectoy won't be very big, but Samsung could be something really big, right? So this was something who, which also helped us. Okay. <laughs> That's interesting. That's an interesting relationship as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amazing. And so something that I, I, I forgot to, to mention before, that... Um, so another specificity of the, the Brazilian video game market at the times, so like late 80s, early 90s, was that there were, so there was a, a, a very a big level of involvement from those like counterfeit, uh, you know, products like people were bringing uh, products from other countries. I think Paraguay was the, 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 the main source of counterfeit uh, there were also the the clone systems, which were also big in Portugal. Actually, uh, Nintendo, the official Nintendo products, I think, were started to to become well known later. But the 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 ones we call the Famiclones were were big here. Um, and so, 
you weren't really competing with Nintendo in Brazil, right? Not directly, you know, please. In the beginning, no. In the beginning, it was terrible because Gradiente could not get the rights from Nintendo, could not get the rights of Sega. So they built a beautiful design of what they call the Phantom System, which was a clone. Mm-hmm. And large TV manufacturers like CCE, so big companies, really big, um, entered with the clones. So we had counterfeit clones uh, from Paraguay, uh, right, smuggled into Brazil. Yeah. And we had the, the big companies, really big, uh, with good distribution network, distributing the, the <coughs> counterfeit uh, clones, right? So here comes something really special because when you talk video games at that time, especially, you, you would subsidize the hardware to make the money on software. Mm-hmm. And we could not do that, right? Because we had to compete with the clones, yeah, right? And, and, they, and, and, and this, the, the 8-bit software at that time was 100% counterfeit, Right? So for us, we had to make money in the con- with the council and make money on. So this was really tough. Yeah, right? big challenge. Big, big challenge. But uh, as everything in life said, uh, has two sides, right? So our effort in order to conquer the end consumer and to, to give a lot of services to them, right, was so huge. Right, that we conquered like 80% of the market in 8 bit, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and Nintendo only entered officially many years later, right? Uh, when already basically working with 16 bit because the 8 bit market was ours, there was no space for basically no space for them there. Exactly, that's amazing. That's really interesting how even in such a, a tough such a challenging environment you were able to to you know overcome all those difficulties and and you know become the the biggest player there that's that's really amazing when did the master system launch in brazil 1989 89 in, 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 in september 89 we have in brazil uh, now uh, this week it's the 12th of october it's children's day it's a okay. very important uh, uh, how you say for the industry as a sales moment, but also you launched now a product which you want to be successful in for Christmas too, right? So it's okay. a very important moment to to launch it, and uh, and we did. I mean, we did uh, 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 our product. The, the master system was the only one which had the 3D glasses, right? So mm-hmm. again, we invested a small fortune in producing the <clears throat> the. The TV commercials, right? Uh, it was done in uh, in Los Angeles because those computer graphics at that time were not possible to be done in Brazil. So everything was done in USA because uh, we 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 wanted to show the the, the, the bullets in, in 3D coming out of the, you know, <clears throat> uh, and it was really a big success. We launched also a one minute daily product on open tv or the most important tv network here in brazil mm-hmm. giving hints and tips on the on the master system games oh. right and this was really 
huge. All the kids, I don't know, 9 to 13 or something like that, were watching this uh, one-minute uh, uh, hints and tips every day. It was called Master Dicas, okay. right? And then... Like master, master Tips in, in, in English. Master, <laughs> yeah. And then afterwards, it, it was a, a, a change to Sega uh, Tips, okay. Sega Dicas, because when we had uh, Mega Drive 2, Mm -hmm. uh, we started also with the Sega Club, right? Okay, yes. Yeah. So Sega Which we Club also was... had in Portugal, yes. Yeah. And then uh, it, it had one time, it had one million, uh, how you say, <coughs> members okay. there. Yes, members. Mm -hmm. 230,000 active members every month. It, it, it was... It, so... All the, the service that we did, and we started to launching the, the titles with Brazilian heroes, you know, and um, so uh, it was like that that we managed to conquer the Brazilian consumer. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, so you had like a, a hotline as well that people could call and ask for tips as well. Yeah. yeah, which was not easy because you have to imagine that at that time, all all you didn't have digital. How you say telef central telephones centers? They mm -hmm. were all analogic, yeah, right. So a simple thing like you do today, you well you, today you don't even do it anymore because it doesn't exist. <laughs> exactly. But you have to say press nine or press eight or something like that to do this analogically. Poof, was not easy because you had to count one, two, three, four. Five. It was it was not easy, yeah. but. At some at some moment we were answering like fifty thousand calls a month, and we yeah. were answering them below twenty seconds. Uh, uh, yeah, we had a huge. When you told that we were hiring lots of people, <laughs> we had a small <laughs> army here in São Paulo just to answer the, the the hints and tips and the questions. Okay, that's amazing, and that's something that you you the fact that you were actually officially working with Sega. Uh, you were able to do that, right? So the other, right. the other clone, the the clone companies and, and that the, the companies that were distributing the clones and stuff, they couldn't offer that to their customers. So that's a big advantage as well, right? Right. That, so we invested on. Our, we did a lot of research with the end consumer, right? And we we uh, we went a lot. We visited Sega of America very many times also because. Uh, it was, let's say, uh, United States was much more similar as a market than Japan, of course, for us, of course, right? Yes, and and, uh, and they they had a concept uh, uh, with some very very good concepts, which for us we learned a lot, a lot, right? And they had one which was what they called schoolyard gossip. They said when when the kids at school are talking about your product, about let's say uh, the the junkie pool for the uh, Alex in uh, Alex uh, in Miracle World, or Alex Kid in yeah, Miracle Alex World, Kid, yeah. You know? yeah. When this happens, then you are in, in the game, right? Yeah. So we worked a lot with this, and, and I think we 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 did it. So. Here in Brazil, if you were a young man, 12, 13 years, and you did not know the Alex Kidd and Miracle <coughs> Junkie Pool uh, sequence, 
I mean, you are nobody. You forget. <laughs> you're not getting you're, you're not cool. Not cool. You're not cool at all. So we worked a lot, and they helped us a lot, and, and we really invested. Mm -hmm. And uh, so uh, we were really very fortunate to have the support from SAG of America. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. I didn't know that, that you worked closely with, with SAG of America as well. Yeah. And so, yes. you, so you, you, you had, uh, you went to Sega of Japan, Sega of America, you shared knowledge. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Our relation, official relationship was with Sega Japan. Of course. Right. But in the marketing side, we did uh, a lot of with uh, Sega of America because, and then with Sega Europe also, we had here, they, they did a fantastic uh, uh, series of completely disrupting uh, commercials right and uh, and we were able to use their idea we 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 filmed them again here in brazil but we used their their concepts and we learned a lot with them so wherever there was something in interesting in sega worldwide we would go there to learn and, and uh, to try to adapt to brazil okay okay so uh, what was like the the slogan Do you have like a slogan, a main slogan for Sega products during the 90s? Uh, we I, had very different, I would probably. say. It would, it would change. Because uh, uh, uh. I, th I think the one that, that in Portugal, the one that you know, was more most used through a, a longer period of time, I think, was uh, Sega é mais forte do que tu. So Sega is stronger than you. Do you have that one as well? No, no, this no. Was, no. I think this was more a European. Okay. Echo Fumis, we we get, we, yeah. we gave a lot of materials to Echo Fumis. Okay. So they, they would not need to do in because their quantities were maybe a little bit smaller. Of course. Right. So much so we, much we, smaller. We, we <laughs> a lot. At that time, you used you used films to print, right? Not like today. Mm -hmm. So we would supply them with. Lots of films with a lots of information, mm -hmm. the hints and tips, all the translations of all the of the software into Portuguese and and, and many things we would uh, supply them so that they uh, did not do to have this investment. But okay. when it came to the let's say to the slogans, I think they did it uh, the European way. Yeah, to your yes. market, uh, and ours here was a little bit different, uh, different culture. Yes, yes, that makes more sense, yeah, like that. Okay, excellent. One of the things that you mentioned before, uh, you know, using Brazilian heroes and bringing them to the video game world. Uh, so I have actually two questions regarding that. The first one, I think the most interesting probably, is how you got uh, Ayrton Senna to to be the cover of of a Sega game. Uh, so Super Monaco GP 2, right? That many people, I think many Sega fans around the world, regardless of being... Formula One fans or not, they are big fans of that game. Um, how did you get that to happen? You know, I don't know if was Senna big in Japan at the time. Probably yes, yes. Okay, it was interesting because 
you have to imagine that um, Sega stopped 88 bits and we continued. Okay. Sega stopped 16 bits and we continued. <laughs> so we had to reinvent uh, 8 and 16 bits uh, with new games uh, because they were not being produced anymore, right? Mm -hmm. So we were here, let's say, trying to find every opportunity uh, in order to strengthen the lineup of new 8-bit, 16-bit game gear, which was quite related to Master System mm -hmm, and, and mm -hmm. so on, right? And, of course, in Brazil, uh, uh, Ayrton Senna was really extremely famous, right? And many times we were proposing things to, to Sega in Japan, and they, they did not really understand why we wanted to do it, but they had big confidence in us. and say, ah, if you say it's good, go and do it, right? Okay. But when we came and we said, look, there is this opportunity for us to develop a uh, 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 Ayrton Senna game, immediately they knew who was Ayrton Senna because he was driving McLaren powered by Honda. Oh. Uh, and was, and by coincidence, Irimajiri Sun, which was the vice president of technology who came to Sega, he came mm. from Honda. Oh, okay. And he, and he was a huge vice president there. And all the the competition, uh, including Formula One, was in his uh, vice presidency, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, so it was the first time that we brought an idea, and they immediately said yes, right? <laughs> and then uh, Ayrton Senna, you know, he was a, a perfectionist, right, in everything he did. So when we started the development with. Uh, he wanted to know the details, and uh, we had meetings with the uh, uh, with the development team. At that time, there was no Zoom, so those meetings had to be face to face, right? Exactly. In Japan, not, <laughs> not not so easy, right? <laughs> and and uh, for instance, he said, "I don't like the zebra because when you you pass with the car on the zebra in the video game, you lose points, you damage the car. That's not true because we." And when we race, we, we, we use the, 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 the zebra as a support for our turns. Okay. Not too much, because then we damage, right? And the Japanese said, yeah, but we cannot change it. And he said, well, you need to change it, because what you're doing is not correct, right? Mm -hmm. and, and he fought until the Japanese said, okay, okay, you, will, you want, we are going to change everything. And until certain use of the zebra, nothing will happen, and, you know. So he was really, uh, and this was excellent, right? For instance, the, the Mega Drive at that time was starting to have synthesized voice. Uh -huh. and, and this was new. So they wanted one phrase from him in, with synthesized voice, right, to be recorded from each of the Grand Prix from next year, right, to launch. And Barcelona was new, right? And so they said, no, but you, you, he said, no, I never drove in Barcelona. I, I, no, no, you make, make a, something neutral. And he said, no way, <laughs> right? I'm not going to give you an opinion about a circuit which I don't know, right? And then he said, but I, 
I promised the following. Six hours after the end of the Grand Prix, I can give you a recording. If you send a crew, I can, it can't be before because uh, if I win, I have to go to the interview. I have to go, I don't know what. There is a, a sequence, right? But I promise you, six hours after the end of the, the if you send a crew, and it did. We send the crew there, right, uh, to, to get this tape, right? And uh, and he did it. So, okay. you know, it was... But it, it couldn't be done before because it didn't know the, the circuit yet. That's amazing. That's amazing. So we had and, to and they went... the launch a little bit, uh, you know, like some yeah. days it was... And they went just... with it. It shows the, 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 the power of persuasion of Ayrton Senna and, and his influence, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, it was, was really it was really nice. It was a, a very very nice project, and we mm -hmm. became very. And uh, he launched Seninha, which is the animated series, mm -hmm. right? And to, to promote him, he wanted uh, some toys, so he came to us and asked us, "Can I ask you to, in record time, produce three toys?" And we said, "How much time do you have?" I don't know. Now he said one month or something. And we say, oh, my God, <laughs> this is impossible, but we will do it, right, more or less. And we did. On mm -hmm. the launch, when he launched officially Senia here in Sao Paulo in a nice night, it was really something very special. Mm -hmm. We had three prototypes of uh, three toys there for him to show. And uh, so we, we, we had a really good relationship with him. It was a really nice project. Excellent. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. I remember that that uh, that was that that trophy. I don't know. Can't remember which circuit it was, which Grand Prix. There was like a, a trophy that Grand had Sonic. Yeah, the Grand Prix of Europe was in uh, in in England. In Red I think Hatchet. England exactly. Yes, yeah. I thought. It, it was, and it was sponsored by Sega, and Sonic was the how you say the. The trophy. Like the trophy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Uh, it was Silverstone, I think it was Silverstone at the time. The Silverstone, Still, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think, maybe. yeah, I think so. I think so. At, uh, but yeah, so so it, it I think uh, at least for me, uh when I thought of Ayrton Senna in in a certain part, in a certain way, I also thought about Sega and Sonic. So that's that's interesting that you got to got him to do this as well. Amazing. Okay. The other thing that I was thinking about when you talked about like specific things from Brazil that you got into into games was like the adaptation of certain games uh, from Sega and you adapted them to uh, things from the Brazilian culture, right? Like pop culture and uh, cartoons and things like, like Turma de Monica and, and things like that. Uh, how did you... Was that easy to do? Was that easy to... Get them to agree to to for you to you know to alter the games to change them to those. Yeah, it, easy. It it's not not a good uh, maybe a good <laughs> word, but we we were always trying to innovate and uh, to keep eight bit and sixteen bit alive, uh, and uh, after and. They, we had an approval process with them for everything, for the TV commercials and so on. But we start doing so many TV commercials, so many printed ads, so many things that one day they say, wait, wait, we cannot. 
we cannot, we don't have time to, we are just working, just improving your stuff. We, do, we don't have the stuff to do it, right? G give us the general ideas of your plans, right? And and you have basically our authorization to do it, right? And, and so on. When it came to product, there things would be, were a little bit more difficult, Uh, uh, and when it came to games, of course, all the rights uh, were complicated. There were games with seven different rights, uh, the music, uh, mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, so, but uh, they were, let's say, they always helped us very much uh, mm -hmm. trying to get those rights. Uh, and uh, sometimes they said, yeah, there is a small part of the music uh, which this right was lost. And we will not have them for Brazil, so you have to put another music in this part, right? Uh, and so on. So they were open to to those things. So we started with uh, Wonder Boy, right? That we changed for Monica, yes, right. And this was, let's say, our first uh, start, and they were very helpful with us. With I don't remember now the owners of Wonder Boy. To, to talk with them about the rights, for them to agree uh, to do this uh, this change, right? But they were always uh, uh, very helpful. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes, many times they said no, right? And uh, when we did, for instance, the master system, the portable one, right? Um, then they, it was tough. They didn't want us to do it. Uh, so they always said no, and we said sorry. We are going to do it, right? And uh, and we did. And then they told us, look, there is one component that you are using on a very very stressed condition because the, spe the specification is up to I don't know sixty something, and you are using it in hundred and and th this was nothing to really to worry because they were right that the how you say the specific the specifications for the this component were in a range that we were above mm -hmm. but the chances of having a problem was null was zero okay right and they kept poking us and then one day we said look we did 205,000 units without one single problem of the nature that you pointed out Right, so from now, from this day on, we don't want to hear more about. It, <laughs> right, for instance, when we put the the AC adapter for Sega was always outside the product was an independent uh, okay. item, right? And uh, understandable because they had different uh, products for different regions of the world, different systems. Exactly. Like, right? Yeah, but. Yes. For us, we didn't need. We could put it inside, right? Mm -hmm. And they were during many years that no, you can't do it because uh, you're going to unbalance the console. It's gonna fall and break, and <laughs> I don't know. And 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 then it's gonna heat. And and we were showing them and throwing on the, you know, from the table on the ground. They were not breaking, and we are taking the the temperature. Uh, we had. Uh, dissipation systems and so officially they never gave us the right to do it but we did right? <laughs> but, but when they launched 
<coughs> Saturn. Mm -hmm. Where was the AC unit? Oh, okay. Inside. Okay. So they Inside. learned. They learned from you. <laughs> they'll never. They will never admit. Admit it, of so course. They did. No problem. But it was interesting because the relationship was very, very, let's say, very nice. Uh, we we were questioning why were they not uh, let's say putting chips together right uh, uh, in let's say five ships in one or something like that to mm -hmm. reduce cost and uh, they were doing it but it was a secret project so they thought that we got the information how do you know oh. this, you know Ooh, sorry <laughs> you, know? So you, were it, you were just really knowledgeable about the the systems right that's yeah, interesting yeah because it, yeah. it was more than than just assembling you were actually making them and had yeah. to know about the the the, the, the products and the, the components. So that's interesting. Yeah, it was interesting. So the relationship was very, very special relationship. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, they helped us really, really a lot. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. You, you mentioned the Saturn. So um, di different parts of the world have different memories of the, the Sega Saturn. Uh, it was big in Japan, but not so much in other countries. How was the experience with uh, the Sega Saturn in, in Brazil? Well, I think it had two moments. Uh, 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 first moment in which the, it used the GD-ROM, if you remember, right? So the, during the launch, we were really very, very fortunate because PlayStation was not yet so much uh, knowledge, uh, let's say, in Brazil. Mm -hmm. Sony was not in Brazil, which was a big problem because everything which came here was uh, smuggled hardware with counterfeit software. So the worst you can imagine. But we were very lucky in the beginning. We made a huge TV campaign and uh, the, the CD, the fact that it was that they sought the consumer in his mind, the, the CD was related to Sega. They already knew Sega CD. Okay. It, it worked really well in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Slowly, the penetration of the smuggled uh, uh, PlayStation 1 and the existence of really low-cost uh, uh, counterfeit software, right, was started to hurt us. Okay. At the, the day, it was July 2003, if I don't remember something like, I, I don't remember the year now, but I remember the months, 2000, maybe, no, I think 2000. It was when they broke the code of the GD-ROM and we started having counterfeit Sega Saturn. So that's for, for the Dreamcast, probably, the GD-ROM, right? No, GD was, yeah, 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 was yeah, Dreamcast, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now I'm making confusion, yeah. So, so yeah, you're right. So mm -hmm. the end of Dreamcast one, uh, you, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. when this happened, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And for us, the 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 problem was that uh, with Saturn was that the, we could not compete because the cost of building a PS one was ridiculously less than building a Saturn, okay. right? Uh, and and the counterfeit was so so we we enjoyed the good start. But slowly, mm -hmm. it was very difficult. Yeah. It, it was not for the same reasons 
but uh, it was a little bit like this in Portugal. It started big, was like the, the biggest thing because the Mega Drive and the Master System were big here. Uh, people, it, it was like, like what you said before, Sega dominated the, the playground talk. <laughs> uh, and so we, we all knew Sega. But then at some point, Sony started to gain ground and and uh, I th I think the the confusion in terms of marketing as well uh, hurt it a little bit and so PlayStation then became the biggest thing here uh, but yeah but good times good times yeah uh, any specific memories Stefano from from you know these the the, the times when uh, Sega were because Tech Toy is still producing uh, hardware, still a, a first party <laughs> company in terms of video games, like like we we used to call them. But any specific memories of this time from from the Master System to the all the way to the Dreamcast? That is that a particular thing that you you hold most dear to you? I think we mentioned, uh, uh, let's say, the, the opportunities we had, let's say, to work with Ayrton Senna, which was a, a big one. Uh, I think that the for, for me, the most important lessons learned was that if you really invest in uh, enchanting the end consumer, right, mm -hmm. if you really do all you can in order to reward him for having chosen your system, right? The chances of winning is is huge. That's for me the biggest uh, learning. Okay, excellent. Yeah, and you and you really did win. <laughs> so yeah, very good. <laughs> By the way, you mentioned a, a close relationship with Sega of America as well. So why didn't you go with the Genesis name? for the 16-bit console? That, that's a good uh, question. The Genesis name in Brazil, we, we wanted to do it. But in Brazil, uh, Class 28, which 28.10 at that time were sporting goods and 28.20 were the, the toys, right? Okay. So they were the same class, right? And the brand was registered by Dow Chemical, for a resin used in surfboards, something like that. So because of that, we would not be able to use it for in Brazil. Okay. Right? So the Brazilian Mega Drive is very interesting because we did not like the logo, the Japanese logo. <laughs> so if you look, the Brazilian Mega Drive has the Genesis font exactly. and the Japanese name. Yeah, and even the 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 the, the game boxes also yeah. look a little bit more like the font and yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I didn't know that. I thought I thought yeah. it, it was like something that uh, Japan said. No, no, you have to go with the Mega Drive. No, no, no. no. We, we 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 were going to use if we could, we would have used Genesis, but we were not able. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, do you think that the name mattered for for the people at the time? Or, no, I don't think no. so because th we did such a work, successful work with the Master System and with Sega and with Tectoy. When we presented the the 16-bit, yeah. right, uh, it was as you said, we it was building on on what we had conquered in the market. So 
when we found out that we could not use the Genesis name for us, it was like the end of the road. <laughs> but responding to your question, it did not matter. No, the consumer didn't matter. Yeah. Okay. Okay. They didn't, they didn't care. Um, and so, and it, how how uh, short of a gap was it was there between the master system and the the Mega Drive in Brazil? Terms of that was very short because we introduced the master system in September '89, okay, and the Mega Drive in November 1990. Okay, and it was very interesting because we had big hopes, of course, with 16-bit, right? And uh, the first reactions of sales in, for for Christmas '90. We sold really well the 8-bit system and not so well the 16-bit. Hmm. And we made the research with the kids to find out, right? And it was very, very interesting because they loved the Mega Drive, but they were mad with us because they said they, they worked very hard to convince their parents to get uh, the 8-bit system oh. for, for Christmas, right? And now... <laughs> this was confusing, you know. They so most of them didn't want really that, you know. Don't 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 make any wave here. Don't change, you know. So for us, it was very interesting because it was an insight that came from research that mm -hmm. you would not imagine, right? Yeah. And then we worked very carefully the, the introduction of the Mega Drive, not to hurt the Master System. Uh, we okay. learned a lot. And, oh yeah, and that's a difficult balance to to maintain, right? So if that was like a a year of difference, a gap in in the launch of these two products, it's hard to to. But it's a testament as well to the the good work that you did. That the, the master system is still being <laughs> manufactured and sold. <laughs> yeah, there. I I find it unbelievable because how many co uh, consumer electronic products are being still manufacture uh, after uh, so many years, right? Uh, it's 26 years now, going to the 27th. So uh, there are very few, yeah. right? Because, yeah. uh, I mean, you don't have uh, VCRs anymore. You don't have uh, DVDs anymore, right? <laughs> uh, the TV set looks completely different. It's not even the same anymore, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and this console is basically still this. It's the same, right? It changed a little bit. Uh, outside is 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 not the first one. It's the second one, right? Mm -hmm. Inside is completely different, of course, but it is the same product, and the so the software is exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. So that that's a good point. Um, and you, I don't know if you're still very into the whole uh, what's being done by the community in terms of video games and retro games but uh, there's a, a huge scene of people doing or making games for for older systems for retro systems right newer games created by by mostly fans or indie developers for older systems do you think um that somehow and and some of the best games are developed by uh, brazilian uh, community members and indie devs, by the way. Do you think the fact that uh, the Master System had such a, a long, uh, or is still having a long life, and uh, the, the work that you did with uh, the community back in the day, do you think that helped 
this homebrew scene, these these community developers to get into video games and want to develop for these older systems as well? You think it has any kind of relation? Definitely. When we when we had uh, 30 years of relationship with Sega, uh, we launched the, the Mega Drive, the original Mega Drive, mm -hmm. right? Of course, uh, the chips did not exist anymore. We had to to really uh, reinvent the, the product. The audio was uh, not easy. Uh, but this was a moment which, uh, when we saw that the audio would be so-so, would not be perfect anymore, uh, we went to the community to explain the problems we had, right? They offered help, and, uh, and, uh, and this showed us that the community was really engaged in development. Uh, the, the technical information that some of those people send us on the audio was really, really high level engineer stuff, not, uh, you know, not just a fan. Yeah. Right. So it, and it was very interesting because we shared our problems with them and, and they, at the end of the day, they found that the audio was not so bad. Right. <laughs> because they, 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 they together with us tried to help mm -hmm. us. But definitely. I think the involvement of the, the, the retro community, which were our consumers, uh, let's say, 30 years ago, right? Yes. They, I, I think that they are really, really involved, deeply involved. Uh, there was some time they, that they wanted me to, especially when we did the 30 years, to to do a lot of uh, 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 interviews or more than interviews, uh, bring the people together in shops, like geek shops and those things. And... Uh, It was really not always very interesting, but long nights. Uh, <laughs> in one of them, I, I started asking for them to to tell the stories, not just me because I was already so tired. So I asked <laughs> them to, and the, the, the stories they were talking were amazing stories, mm -hmm. right? I remember one, they were, they were a couple in the first row and they were very excited And I asked them to tell the story, and uh, they married, right? They they because they played Master System together, and they met and married. So <laughs> that story is unbelievable. Amazing, amazing, yeah. And that's the kind of things that like warm your heart, warms your heart, right? See, yeah, it's more, well, it's more than no, just no. a product, more than just making money, or it's it's for the the experience and the personal things that that happen. That's amazing. Yeah. We had yeah. once um, a research about, uh, I don't remember exactly when, but we came to the conclusion that the average use of our products was 2.6 hours a day. Okay. And, we, and we were making the mass, how long they stay in school, do homework, uh, eat, uh, sleep, commute to school, and so on. And 2.6 hours a day was by far the largest uh, uh, use of time that they had, except, of course, uh, uh, their studies, right? Okay. So I remember calling everybody in Tech Toy and telling, look, the responsibility that we have is huge, right? Because those kids are giving us most of their time, mm -hmm. right? So 
we need to reward them. I mean, our responsibility is, is very, very big, right? And it was a turning point for our staff when they realized the impact that their products had on their on the kids mm-hmm. and that we needed to be really very, very careful that we, right? So that's what, as you said, you know, it's not just throwing a product there. It, it was a huge involvement with the kids. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Very good. Stefano, uh, it, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, I, I we, could, we could talk about many, many things, but I don't want to keep you. Uh, I just wanted to briefly mention, so you are not with Tectoy anymore, right? Correct. Okay. So would you like to just briefly tell us what you've been doing lately? Yeah. In, in November 2019, I sold the, the company, right? And now I'm more related to the environmental area, <clears throat> working uh, strongly in the Amazon and in our coast, basically trying to help the, the well-being of the local communities, establishing sustainable production chains, right? So we work with Native Cocoa for a chocolate factory that uh, uh, we invest, uh, we develop uh, bioplastics from Amazon residues, We work with seaweed uh, as a complementation <clears throat> for the work of the fishermen in the fishermen's communities. So that's what I basically been doing now. Mm-hmm. Okay, excellent. So uh, more giving back uh, yeah. <laughs> to the community and to the people. That's, yes. that's great. That's great. Excellent. Hope you've been enjoying yourself. <laughs> a lot, a lot. Excellent. Okay, so I have one final question before I let you go. I always ask this question. Uh, I think it will be interesting for you because you know this concept. Not all of my guests do, but in the US, and I don't know if that's that was true for the, the, the Brazilian audience or not, but in the US, they, they, uh, the marketing of the Genesis was that it had blast processing, right? So which probably wasn't really a thing, but they said that it had blast processing, so it made the Genesis more powerful and faster than the competition. So my my question to all of my guests is, if you could add blast processing to anything in the world, what would it be and why? Yeah, (laughs) I would probably answer that I would translate, we translated it in Sonic. Sonic was, the Sonic Speed was for me the, 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 the translation that the consumer can understand. Mm-hmm. So, of course, they were very successful in the US and they were very com- comparable with Nintendo, mm-hmm. right? But in Brazil, I would not do it. I would use the translation to enchant... Uh, the the final customer with Sonic and not with mm-hmm. the Blast concept. Okay, so if you could add Sonic speed to anything in the world, what would it be? What anything today? today anything? Something that so the, the concept here is to make it faster, to make it more ah, powerful. Yeah. So, oh, that's an easy question to answer now that I understood it. No, easy, easy. <laughs> in order to mitigate the effects of our climate emergency, Mm -hmm. right? If we could add here the sonic speed 
the, the world would be much, much better. Agreed. Agreed. That's a very good answer. Yes. Thank you. So anything you would like to say to the Brazilian and not just Brazilian, but Brazilian fans who are uh, listening to this before we go, any message for the people out there? Yeah, I think always every time that I meet them, uh, what I do basically do is thank them because uh, thanks to their passion, right, uh, we were able to, to build uh, what we did with Sega in Brazil, right? So for me, the words that I have to say is muito obrigado. Very good. And I will give a muito obrigado to you as well. Thank you very much, Stefano, for coming on the Sega Lounge. Hopefully in the future, we can talk a little bit more again about other moments in time. <laughs> okay. But thank you very much for coming. Thank you very much for having me and thank you for uh, giving the Sega fans the possibility of dreaming again all the big dreams they had. Uh, thank you very much for this. Thank you. Such an amazing guest. Thank you again to Stefano Arnhold for coming on the show. You probably noticed there was no challenge, but I promise A, we'll do one next time he comes on the show, and B, I'll make up for it next week. What's next week, you ask? Why, it's episode 200 of the Sega Lounge. It's still all a bit surreal that I've done so many shows. So what am I doing to celebrate? I invited my good friends Skill Jim and Lime Reversed to join me for a truly special 200th episode edition of the Sega Lounge Challenge. They both put together a team of friends and they'll be going head to head in a battle of wits and Sega education. We're recording this a few days from now and if all goes well, we'll be broadcasting the result in both video and audio form next Thursday the 19th of October at 8pm UK time on Radio Sega and Twitch simultaneously. Of course, it will be available on demand from Friday. Speaking of Twitch, have you followed our channel? Twitch.tv slash The Sega Lounge. You should know the drill by now. Lots of hard questions, musical challenges, a very helpful host. <laughs> it's The Sega Lounge challenge you know and love, pushed to the extreme. The Sega Lounge Challenge Kiwami, if you will. I hope you join us then for a very fun episode of the Sega Lounge. Until the next episode, and since Sonic Superstars is actually coming out before that, go enjoy some side-scrolling hedgehog action. Take care, and I'll see you all next time. Bye bye The Sega Lounge, hosted by me, KC, and part of Radio Sega's network of live shows and podcasts. Theme song and incidental music by OSC. Find them at opusciencecollective.bandcamp.com. Got any suggestions? Drop me an email to podcast at thesegalounge.com. Find us at The Sega Lounge on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find previous episodes of the show by going to thesegalounge.com and wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. Yeah.
Nick's Town Productions Podcast.